0: Hello and welcome to the Civic Leader Podcast. I'm your host Sylvie Legere. Our goal with this show is to offer unbiased, fact-based information that acts as a starting point for you to get involved and have a larger positive impact on your community. When it comes to civic and community leadership, most of us don't know where to start and we definitely don't feel we have all the facts. That's why Each episode of The Civic Leader goes beyond the headlines to bring you facts and data points that will help you understand the role of business, government, and its citizens in the quest to improve and solve society's greatest challenges. We hope you'll join us each and every week as we discuss facts around today's biggest policy issues. Let's get the show started. Hi, I'm Sylvie Légère. I am, uh, welcome to the Civic Leader Podcast. Today, I'm really excited. We will be discussing the um, Active Voter Guide that was put together by the Policy Circle. Uh, The goal is really to inform all voters, but especially first-time voters on uh, the, how to be an active voter, to be prepared to go to the polls, but also perhaps consider volunteering uh, in the election process. So to uh, review this brief and engage in discussion, I'm so thrilled to have with me Mary Dune, who is a Communication Associate at Ballotpedia. Welcome, Mary. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to discuss this brief today. Mary, I was looking at your background, and what's interesting, you are recent. You graduated from the uh, University of Wisconsin, political science, but also in public diplomacy, and cultural anthropology, peace and justice. Uh, <laughs> Public diplomacy. I feel like the elections, I feel like you're the person perfect person to um talk about being an active voter. And uh so I'd love to hear your thoughts about what is public diplomacy and uh you know your thoughts around around voting and the election process.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, I kind of (laughs) have a, a, a expansive background. Um, I was in school, you know, kind of couldn't make up my mind about what to study. And so I just kind of studied everything (laughs) and landed on political science. Um, And, you know, through my time studying and through my year and a half now at Ballotpedia, um, I feel like my whole life uh, I've really wanted to engage in the political process and I've just been able to really harness my excitement and passion about the you know our democracy and our ability to engage in the voting system um, and I think that today as we talk about the brief I'm super excited not only to talk about you know what it means to be an active voter, why it's an important thing but also just to really share some, concrete resources, uh, some actionable steps that you've put together in this brief that we can take in order to be responsible voters, which is kind of what I think, you know, all of this comes down to public diplomacy. Um, You know, you don't have to be an elected official. You don't have to be someone, um, you know, high up uh, within your organization to affect change. And so you know, being an informed and responsible voter is, is all you really need to do to be able to participate in our, in our democracy
0: and be able to
1: enact change. Um, so I'm super excited to be able to talk about that
0: today. Yeah, and that's why we titled this brief, um, the, the title of this brief is Active Voter Guide. Uh, mm-hmm. Because uh, voting is not just getting out to vote, is actually being informed and knowing yeah. to be prepared to, uh, to vote. Yeah. So, you know, um, let's, uh, let's start. And we start with actually registering to vote. Um, there's a, you know, most states require you to register in advance for an election, but there are some states that have a, uh, allow same day registration and this is where you know the guide gives you points you to a resource to find out you know, how to register. There's also a U.S. Election Assistant Commission, and uh, USA.gov is actually kind of the official federal government resource to check the status of your registration and go from there. Uh, there's other organizations like Vote.org. Uh, the SCIM 2020 actually has a very nice guide. Mm-hmm. And in the brief, uh, there is a video published by USA.gov uh, that Around check your voter registration. Kind of walks you through uh, the walks you through the the whole process. I'd like to mention that um, if you are a first time voter, the U.S. Vote Foundation tells you exactly how to register for the first time and even explains if you are a student leaving away from home or studying abroad, how to how to register. Um, mm-hmm. There's also the National Voter Registration Act of 1993 requires the states to provide individuals with the opportunity to register to vote at the same time that they apply for their driver's license or seek to renew a driver's license. So this is important for first time voters um, since many Many, uh, are an agent to register to vote when they apply for the driver's license. So that's something to think about. Um, so do you have like some thoughts to share about just voter registration and maybe about, you know, there's a lot of drives around voter registration that, that mm-hmm. happens in public places, grocery stores, um, you know, I, I think like it's it's good to ask questions about, you know, how your voter register, if if an agency or someone is offering to register to vote, how they have that power and how that works. I don't know if you have some thoughts on that, Mary. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know we've seen
1: a huge push um, to educate the public on how to register to vote and to make sure that you're checking your um, voter registration status. Just last week on the 22nd was National Voter Registration Day. Um, which was a huge you know huge push by organizations all over the all over the country trying to uh, get people to register to vote on that day. Uh, but if you didn't and you know you're still unregistered there are plenty of opportunities going forward to be able to um, and to check your registration status. So I think the first step you know right now is we're Nearing the election, the first step is to check whether you are registered Um, and even if you've been registered in the past, it's so important to check like there are a multitude of reasons why you might need to re register. Um, So, for example, I moved this year from the last time from the last election. So I need to update my registration. Um, So any little thing like that. I think it's just important, even if you do think you're registered to double check um, and make sure that you are with, you know, any of the resources that you just mentioned. Um, and if you find that you do need to register to, to vote, you can visit your local election authority's website um, and learn whether you can register online or if you have to register in person. And then as you mentioned, Sylvie, there, is, there are some states that allow you to, uh, to register on the same day of the election, um, but it's, it's not common. Um, it's not available everywhere, so you can also get the registration deadline. Um, and it, it's important to note that deadlines are starting to come up. So um, there are a lot of states that, whose deadlines are passing now, um, and then they'll continue to pass each coming week between now and the election. So um, it's important to you know, check your status, see if you need to register, and then make sure that you have all of the information available to do so.
0: Yeah, those are good points. Yeah, thank you for the reminders on the deadlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, do you want to talk about uh, where to go, or maybe actually, know what? Why don't I take up the where to go, and then if sure. you have some comments on that? Um. Sure. So where to go, you know, on election day, you'll go to your designated polling location to cast your ballot. And usually that's really printed on your voter registration card. Uh, You can also, again, visit USA.gov to find your polling place or your state or local election office and in the guide there is a link uh, to that uh, you can also see the u.s election assistant commissions uh, there's a link to election day contacts and vote.org has a polling place locator and then ballotpedia also has a state-by-state polling times which is also important to know when you could start um, to vote and be the first one there or you know near the near the end Um, there's also on usa.gov early voting options and also absentee voting there's different rules around that Uh, vote.org has some absentee ballot rules and if you uh, want to do that. This is really early, a month over, a month before the election is when you really need to start looking at what are the applications deadline, what are the deadlines to vote as an absentee. The National Conference of State Legislators uh, breaks down, you know, some of the application deadlines uh, and uh, where people can vote in person or absentee vote. So there's a lot of good resources. Mary, do you have some uh, comments around where to go and maybe what Ballotpedia has published? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think this year has
1: Particularly unique uh, for so many reasons, but a huge, you know, a huge difference this year compared to other election years is that um, we're seeing the rules of absentee voting and vote by mail change. Um, we're seeing a lot more. People choosing that option due to the pandemic, um, and so this kind of uh, this kind of gives you a few more options than I think you have during a normal election year, which is great, but can also feel a little bit overwhelming. Um, so, if you're planning on voting absentee or voting by mail, um, or if you're not sure whether you you know that's the right option for you, I would suggest going to Ballotpedia um, and searching voting in your state. So I'm located in Wisconsin. So I would just go to Ballotpedia and search voting in Wisconsin. And as you mentioned, Sylvie, um, we list polling, a link to your polling location and how to find that and also links um, to, to the poll open and closed times. So you can make sure if you have to work, if you have to get a babysitter, if you have to, you know, whatever you're doing, if you're voting in person, um, we have that available for you. We also have links um, on those voting by state pages that will talk a little bit more in depth about the requirements to vote by mail or to vote absentee, um, because they do vary greatly by state. Um, so some states require a witness, uh, so you'll need a witness to sign off on your absentee ballot, which is really important to know, especially um, you know for those of us who might live alone or you know might not have a, a witness. It's good to to check up on that ahead of time so that you're able to really plan um, to have someone available to to witness your um, your ballot. Some states also require um, proof of identification to go along with your absentee ballot. Um, so it's really important that if you are planning to vote by mail or vote absentee, that you read the instructions that come with your ballot and follow them to the letter. <laughs> Even um, you know down to the pen color is really important to ensure that your ballot gets uh, counted properly. Yeah. So um, yeah, that would be my, my big push is that if you're planning to vote by mail, um, just make sure that you do your research and you know that you're requesting it in time and getting it in in time whether you need to look up drop-off sites or you're planning on mailing it um just make sure to do your your homework there
0: well oh, great uh so the the what to bring so what to bring to to vote so almost all the states require voters to present some form of identification when they go to vote mm-hmm. In particular, like first-time voters are required to provide identification before they cast a ballot, and also, I think, a proof of of residence. Mm -hmm. Uh, According to the Help America Vote Act, all states require identification from first-time voters who register to vote by mail and have not provided um, verification of their identification at the time of registration. So if you register by mail. Uh, Again, like... USA.gov finds federal voting laws, voter ID requirements, and and how to get a voter registration card, which you might want to bring if you're a first-time voter. And then mm-hmm. the USA Vote Foundation allows you to find your state's voting requirements. The National Conference of State Legislators also lists state by state voter identification requirements. And on this election, um, I heard someone talk about, you know, if you are going to plan on voting and there might be longer lines, then bring a snack, bring your mm-hmm. water bottle just be ready perhaps to to wait uh just because of the restrictions as to how many people can be in the room at the same time so do you have like some thoughts on on what to bring and perhaps your
1: experience yeah definitely that's a great point to to plan on probably being there a little you know it's not going to be a quick in and out in a lot of cases so it's really good to prepare yourself mentally and bring a snack or a water bottle or whatever you might need um so yeah, if you if you are voting in person this year, it's just, as I mentioned, same with absentee voting, it's so important to check the requirements. Um, so in this case, it's really important to check whether you do need your photo, or photo ID um, if you're not a first time voter. Again, this varies by state. Um, and you can check with your local election authority to determine whether an ID is needed. Um, And we also have those requirements on Ballotpedia. Again, if you search for voting in your state, um, all of those requirements will be there for you. And we're constantly trying to update that information so that we have, you know, the latest and most accurate information. Um, My other recommendation is that if you are voting in person, um, and we can talk about this more in a little while, Sylvie. But my uh, my other recommendation is that you bring your phone and you have pre-downloaded the My Vote ballot app, um, which is a copy of your sample ballot, and you can favorite and star all of the uh, ballot measures and candidates that you like, so that if you get into the polling booth and you're a little bit nervous and you're not sure and you're caught off guard by something on the ballot, um, you can reference your app in order to see you know what you what you felt. Um, After researching it, you'll have that uh, favorited
0: or you'll have that starred. That's That's a good point, too. We'll add that, actually. Yeah, that's a very good point uh, (laughs) to download the app because a lot of times you actually you get there and then you just uh, you're taken off taken off guard or you don't remember your piece of paper and we'll talk about researching candidates so you kind of need to know and this is our next section on what to expect in Mm -hmm. the brief there's a great little video that really walks you through the machine the voting machine what to physically expect on how, Mm how to vote and that's really helpful and as mary said you you can go to Ballotpedia to do a sample ballot lookup, and now you're saying the app uh, to download the app where your ballot and what how you were planning on voting could be already filled out to help you in the ballot booth not take too much time and right. to actually do it. So let's talk about researching. Um, a candidate. And maybe I'll turn it over to you to talk a little bit more about that because Ballotpedia has an elections calendar. And uh, so why don't we um, turn it over to you to cover that section on researching a candidate, which is what Ballotpedia is about.
1: Yeah, great. Um, so I think now more than ever, uh, there are so many resources available to voters, and it can be a little bit difficult and overwhelming to distinguish, like a credible news source versus fake news or um, you know something that might not be entirely accurate. And I think that it's it's super important to establish at least one source that you trust, um, and that's what Ballotpedia tries to be that's our whole goal is that we're um, you know our goal is to be a comprehensive encyclopedia of american politics um, providing unbiased information to the public so that you can make your own informed decisions when voting Um, so by researching candidates on ballotpedia you're able to learn not only about candidates policy positions but also their personal biography campaign finance, their staff, um, pretty much anything you could you could dream of, you can find um, on our page about candidates. So it's really important to research all of the candidates on the ballot. Even if you think you know who you want to vote for, it's really important to, um, to do research on on all of the candidates. I think that oftentimes today it's really easy to scroll through social media or to listen to friends and family members opinions on candidates um, and on different elections, but by doing your own research from a cred- credible organization like Ballotpedia, like Ballot Ready, um, you're able to form your own opinions and head to the polls really confident and an informed voter. So Some of the resources that we at Ballotpedia provide, um, our biggest and I think most unique um, resource that we provide to voters is called our Candidate Connection Questionnaire. Um, So this is a super unique opportunity for candidates to inform voters about their positions and an equally unique opportunity for voters to learn directly from the candidates on their ballot. Um, It's an expansive survey that we rolled out in 2017 to just a small number of of elections and candidates running and due to the success of that pilot program, we expanded the questionnaire to to be available to everyone within our scope in 2018. So just to give you a little idea of how many candidates are filling out this questionnaire on our website, um, so far this year, 4,959 candidates have completed our survey. And it's probably gonna be even more by the time you're listening to this podcast. Um, We get responses every single day that we're uh, putting up on our website. Um, And so, you know, this is a really, like I said, a really great opportunity for you to hear directly from the candidate. Um,
0: And then we do have, oh, go Um, ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say along the, the same lines, we partner with NCIV to offer Candidate Conversations, which is um, a, it's a virtual debate platform, um, so it's moderated by journalist Greta Van Susteren, and it's basically a short Q&A session, um, little videos that are uploaded onto the candidate pages if they choose to participate that allow them to answer questions in a video format and just allow voters to hear from um, their candidates in an entirely new way oh what is that called candidate conversations candidate conversations okay yes so we rolled this out about a year ago
0: oh okay okay it's relatively new yeah Yeah. yes and um i was i gonna say um yeah so you have there are tell us how tell us how many candidates are there across all all levels of election? Because there's a presidential election, but there's also some state election, and then there's some ballot initiatives which will go, but there's also judges. And I think in Ballotpedia, is there like, like there's a staggering number of candidates that you have in Ballotpedia, right? Yeah. <laughs> in the United States, there are, uh, yeah,
1: 507,000 officials. Um, and Ballotpedia doesn't cover every single one of them, but of course, it's our goal to be able to one day. Um, But at the moment, we cover the 100 largest cities in the United States, which covers 60 million people who live within those cities. So not only do we cover um, all federal and all state elections and elected officials, but we cover, um, you know, the, hun- the hundreds of thousands of uh, local elected officials within those top 100 cities. Um, so, within our encyclopedia at this point, there are over 300,000 articles um, on our encyclopedia.
0: So, chances are people will find their ballot in, uh, on, your, uh, on your website. So Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So there's a section here in the Active Voter Guide that's developing an assessment scorecard. So Mm I have stated this is kind of my personal favorite in our family. We are a really big proponent of decision matrix where you have some specific criteria and you score people on those criteria. And we included here in this uh, scorecard a, a candidate scorecard that was developed by the clark um the clark clark county in washington so it's totally a group of citizens that developed this scorecard and they so it's a sample here but maybe you could use it yourself for your own candidates and they suggest to explore the stance of candidates in three areas one is their beliefs, right? What's their beliefs in the rule of government in our lives, in our communities, taxes, private property rights, and um, special interest collusion, which might be corporations, unions, uh, just other groups different different special interest groups what's mm-hmm. their um, understand you know their relationship and also uh, you know their uh, participation in those uh, the other section is the governability uh, relative to their life experience what's their life experience that they would bring to the table to help our government govern more efficiently and fairly and and represent us effectively they also have a section uh, a criteria on relevant issue knowledge political savviness leadership team building skills and then there's a section on electability their campaign abilities, their reputation, their financial strength, speaking ability, name recognition. So those are kind of three areas. And if you go to this candidate scorecard, it's very detailed. Um, you could hover over each of the headlines to, uh, to understand their criterias and maybe make up your own scorecard. But if you are really undecided, this might be a good way to, to decide uh, to research and decide uh, how to plan your vote. So, um, yeah, so I this was a great tool. Yeah, it's a great tool. So, uh, ballot measures, uh, Mary, can you? I invite you to talk about m- ballot measures because that's also something that Ballotpedia can really be helpful to uh, to research. And perhaps you could start by explaining what it is.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, ballot measures are a little bit more obscure, or I would say, you know. Sometimes we're not as informed about ballot measures as we are about candidates that we are voting on. Um, But it really is important to know exactly what will be on your ballot, including the ballot measures. Um, So a ballot measure by definition is a law issue or question that appears on a state or local ballot for voters to decide. Um, And ballot initiatives are uh, specifically ballot measures put on the ballot for voter consideration through people collecting signatures. Um, According to the National Conference of State Legislatures, the process begins when a citizen or a group of citizens proposes a petition and files it with state officials. Um, The state officials then will review the petition and then, if it's approved, give the initiative a title and summary. And the petition is then circulated to obtain the required number of signatures of registered voters. Um, And then if they meet this goal, it's submitted to the state election officials once again, who then organize for the measure to go on the ballot either directly or indirectly via legislative approval. Um, So on Ballotpedia, we have a ballot initiative map that kind of Brings you through all of the initiatives within our scope um, and give you a little bit more information on them. And we have a really great ballot measures team um, who's constantly updating those um, Those initiative pages with opposition and support and additional details as they come out. Um, I would also say that the National Conference of State Legislature's ballot measures database is an incredible resource um, for ballot measures that might appear on your
0: ballot. What I find helpful on on Ballotpedia is that you kind of explain there's a wording of the ballot initiative, which sometimes is actually hard to understand. What what are they asking? And then on Ballotpedia, you almost like translate that. It's like by voting yes this is what you're voting for. By right. voting no, this is what you're voting for. Because sometimes the wording of these ballot measures is such that you're not sure what you are agreeing to and what will, will your vote be a vote to further research or explore a possibility or will it actually be something that that will be implemented? So that's kind of a, a, a really value add um, service that Ballotpedia offers to, again, be a really informed voter.
1: Yeah, I would say that, you know, as someone who's been voting for just about 10 years now, I have found myself in, in this situation several times where I walk into the, um, you know, the booth and I see something that I just can't I you know I researched it but I just cannot remember for the life of me what it means Um, and the wording is a little bit tricky and I just I don't know what I if I should say yes or no and that's a really just terrible feeling when you're voting um, because you know it does have an impact so you know that's another reason uh, just to to plug our sample ballot app my vote ballotpedia Um, you can do the research ahead of time and like Sylvia was saying you can go ahead and you can uh, break it down and see our sort of, you know, breaking it down into layman's terms rather than this complicated legalese um, is something that all of us can understand. And then you can, you know, favorite that within the app so that when you get into, you know, you get to vote, um, you can pull it up and see exactly, you know, exactly what you had chosen
0: and feel more confident being able to vote. So Mary also, you know, on this around researching the candidates, if people find that they are candidates or ballot measures are not in Ballotpedia. I think there there is a way, right, for citizens to kind of submit or recommend that Ballotpedia be expanded to include uh, those uh, those measure ballot measures or candidates' information. Or you can also really encourage your candidate to complete the questionnaire. I think that's one initiative that you guys are working on, and I know that we're emphasizing with uh, policy circle members is to really encourage candidates to complete the questionnaire so that everybody has. A uh, one place to go and evaluate you know the candidates who are seeking our support to represent mm-hmm. us.
1: Yeah, definitely. One of my favorite things is um, seeing when I pop into our Twitter account, seeing just regular voters like you and me um, tweeting at their representatives and saying, hey, why haven't you filled out ballot Ballotpedia's Candidate Connection Survey? I really want to hear from you. Um, it's really cool to see people, you know, encouraging their, their candidates to fill it out. And we've actually seen a great number of candidates who are, you know, specifically called out and asked to read it or, or to complete it. Um, we've seen a great number of them actually. Actually come through and complete it um, which is really really satisfying because you know it gives you even more power as a voter to say hey I asked my elected official I asked my candidate to fill this out so I can learn more
0: about them and they actually listened yeah I think also the other piece about being uh, an active voter is to interact with your candidates and I know like we don't want to do that or they call us you're like oh I don't want to talk but <laughs> actually really empowering Mm-hmm. when you're asking questions to your candidate you're being friendly you're asking questions and this is where you know tools like this or you know this candidate scorecard you can ask question about well what are what is your view on taxes on property rights on on the role of government what do you think is the priority what are you what is the life experience that you are bringing to to the table to you know seek my vote and represent it's really empowering and we have on uh, the policy circle we also have a video and kind of a workshop on how to interact with with candidates which could be uh, really helpful and it definitely you become you become part of the process and you feel that you're not uh, that government is not happening without you when you go yeah. to the voting booth informed it, it it, it's really great. And you have to, you have to research it. There's so many mm-hmm. judges, every election or water reclamation board, right. or, you know, like clerk commissioners. There's a lot of different roles that, you know, people are seeking your, your support that are representing you, that are impacting how government functions. And being a citizen is not just showing up in this case, it's being informed. So yeah. I invite you to take that seriously. So thanks for sharing um, this information about, uh, you know, what Ballotpedia offers. So, you know, there are important rules at the polls. Voting is one, and uh, maybe Mary, you could talk about poll workers. There's, there's poll workers and there's poll watchers. So Mary, Mary would you, um, can you talk about being a poll worker?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, as you're mentioning, it's super important to be engaged. Um, And so that means not only being you know, an informed voter and taking your role as a voter seriously, but also looking for other ways that you can become involved in the election process. Um, and one of the most effective ways that you can do that is by, uh, by becoming a poll worker. So it, these are also known as election officials or election judges. You may have heard those terms as well. Um, and serving at a polling location can help to ensure that election rules are followed, which ultimately ensures the integrity of the results of the election um, and ensures that every Everybody who's eligible to vote actually gets the opportunity to do so. Um, and the Policy Circle also has an amazing brief called Elections and Election. Excuse me. Okay, let me start over. <laughs> um, the policy circle also has an amazing brief called the elections and election integrity brief which goes into a little bit more detail about this and about election integrity so i would highly recommend that as well Um, so poll workers if you've voted in an election before you probably didn't even notice um, you know that you were interacting with poll workers but they're the people at your polling place who are checking in voters issuing ballots answering voter questions, setting up and testing the voting equipment prior to the polls opening, and then also staying past the time of the polls closing in order to tally the ballots and secure voting equipment. Um, So they have really, really important roles and they do receive specific training um, prior to election day that is specific to their county or municipality. Um, And yeah, they serve a, a really important role. Um, So if you're interested in serving as a poll worker, you have to meet the eligibility requirements in your state. And while it does vary, but most states generally require that you be a citizen of the United States in good standing, Um, you know, have the ability to speak, read and write in the English language, not be a candidate for any office in the election or to be an elected committeeman, must be registered to vote within the county in which the election judge serves. So For example, if you are a voter in suburban Cook County, you're able to serve as a poll worker or election judge, either in the suburbs or in Chicago. Um, And then lastly, it's common that you'll complete a short election judge training session uh, provided by the election authority. So there are some great resources If this sounds like something that you might Want to do some way that you might want to get involved on election day and you can see your specific requirements at true the vote work elections and the national conference of state legislators um, so those are some really great resources to be able to start if this sounds like something you are interested in a way that you want to engage in the in the process
0: yeah and there's um there's actually a website that's called like work elections and there's mm-hmm. the national association of secretaries of states so there's a lot of resources and it's a it's a pretty easy Process. Um, you you don't necessarily uh, you know. There's different rules, and I know my uh, daughter in high school. You know, even if you are not 18, you can uh, you can participate and be a, a poll watcher, or a poll worker. There's specific roles. and a lot of times you, you get paid uh, to do mm-hmm. that and a day, and you have to be there for the full day. But uh, again, we have uh, we interviewed women who have been poll uh, workers. And kind of share their experience. And one of the ladies said, You know, this is, I really feel like this was an act of love for my community. Oh, wow. That was really profound and, and inspiring. You're know, like, wow, yeah, it's really taking it seriously. The other rule is poll watchers. So it's overseeing, is overseeing the election process so poll watchers monitor the election procedure to ensure compliance with the law and the ultimate goal is to hold a fair elections that report accurate election results the poll watchers differ from the election officials in that they have no legal authority in the polling location and are strictly prohibited from touching any ballots or other voting equipment Rather, they are election observers who report any irregularities at the polling place, thus helping to ensure free and fair conduct of the elections. Many times, just their mere presence is enough to deter fraud, and reaching Mm -hmm. a legitimate fair outcome requires following the law for every vote that's cast. So political parties, candidates, proponents of ballot initiatives can appoint partisan poll watchers, and there's also nonpartisan organizations who can appoint nonpartisan poll watchers to observe the elections. So, you know, so as we said, their responsibility is observing the ballot box prior to voting, ensuring that it's empty, ensuring that the machine starts at zero, observing the election officials as they carry out their activities during the election day, observing that provisional ballots are given when required, and that voted provisional ballots are placed in secure receptacle provided for this purpose and not fed into the ballot optical scan machines with the regular ballots. So it's different. Um, observing counting procedures include provisional votes and tallying ballots, keeping detailed records of what goes on in the polling place, observing the timely closing of the polling place, observing election officials, properly securing blank ballots, processing defected or defective or damaged ballots, closing the electronic logbook and transmitting the votes and calling to the attention politely of the election judges any incorrect voting procedure or parent violation by anyone in the polling place. So there are also uh, rules for poll watchers outside of the designated polling location. So nursing homes are important location for poll watchers to be on an election day and if. You witness a fraud while poll watching at a nursing home. You know, you have to kind of call it to the attention of election officials. And uh, if a fraud occurs, call the campaign or political party for whom you're a poll watcher and they have someone nearby who can help and can bring the issue to an election authority. You can call the election authority to report the possible fraud. fraud, And you can also detail in writing the information. Um, the Incident with as much detail as possible and uh, capture the election name their badges you know a lot of those details and the qualifications for being a poll watcher varies somewhat from state to state. And some states do not require poll watchers to be residents of the state. Others require poll watchers to be registered voters in the county. Uh, so there's a whole list of requirements. And to become a poll watcher, you can uh, contact your the political campaign or an organization, and you can also contact the election authorities for your state. Uh, Usually the candidate or political party provide a short training and uh, True to Vote also offers training information and resources. And this is something that can be really enjoyable. You can bring kids, you can bring a friend. Uh, There's many polling locations uh, that house multiple precincts. So two people can easily cover a few precincts this way and have a big impact. So in many races, it's a close call, and uh, a simple counting mistakes are not the, uh, the only troubles. When election fraud is considered, it's easy to see how important every vote and every poll watcher is to maintaining the integrity of an entire election. So, you know, that's what, what it's about. You know, that's what voting is about. And we really invite you to kind of look at this, this brief on being an active voter and, uh, and consider being super active and volunteer, especially this election in 2020 on uh, how to be a, a poll watcher or a election judge. Do you have like some experience or some additional closing thoughts to share uh, on voting? Yeah, I just, I mean, thank you so much
1: for having me, Sylvie. This has been really wonderful and I'm super excited. Um, just, you know, I know that this brief has so much great content in it and actual um, actionable, tangible tangible ways for people to get involved. So um, yeah, thank you. I'm super excited. Um, I guess my closing thoughts are just kind of to reiterate my points earlier um, that, you know, we are able to be, active, informed, responsible, and engaged voters, and there are so many amazing resources out there from the Policy Circle, it's Ballotpedia, BallotReady, Vote.org. Um, there are some really incredible organizations out there, so um, start doing your homework now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's right. See if right. you're registered. <laughs> that's you right. Have some tea ballot if you need to register. Um, do the buddy system. Do whatever you have to do. It's great to, you know, if you, if you, you know get a buddy that you're gonna go to the polls with great not only do you um, have accountability but you also have gotten someone else engaged in the system so um you know us over we over at ballotpedia and i know you at the policy circle um and so many others are rooting for you and we and we really are just so excited to um to for this election season and to see so many people taking responsibility um to become informed voters
0: yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I mean, the goal of the Civic Leader podcast is to interview civic leader, inspire you to be a civic leader, but also to provide an audio version of the Policy Circle briefs that are really a platform for anyone to convene people to mm-hmm. be, go beyond the headlines, be really informed, and have resources to be an active citizen. And this one on is active voter guides give you everything that you need, whether you're a first-time yep. voter or an experienced voter to really prepare uh, for the upcoming election. So thank you again Mary thank you so much for joining me. Yeah today. thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. I'll stop. Bye bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. This project is a collaboration with the Policy Circle. You can find more information at thepolicycircle.org. You can also find additional information and show notes at thecivicleader.com and on Instagram at thecivicleader. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast and working to make your community, state, country, and world a better and more wonderful place.